0: Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement the views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of ipc securities corporation this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions
1: welcome to all of you either watching on youtube or listening on a streaming service this is episode 42 of retirement straight talk with paul and william and today we're going to be talking about gen xers generation Xers, whatever and those are people born between yeah, about the mid 60s to the early 80s and well why do we want to talk about them you know well a gen Xer generally are at their top earning years they often still have a mortgage they're trying to to pay down if they're a business they're, they're at the height of their business. They're still trying to grow it. They still need more out of it. Maybe the kids need to go college. They're at their peak of their financial obligations and responsibility, and they're under financial stress oftentimes. And that's financial stress and business can mean you can make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes, financial mistakes, they can be irreversible and and one of the things that I say, they uh, by those, making those mistakes, they can create unfreedom for themselves. What does that mean? Unfreedom. And really, most most people, as they grow older, they want to create a work optional lifestyle for themselves. That here are the things that we hear. You know, I want to be able to when I get close to retirement, I maybe maybe I want to work at a less stressful job. Maybe I want to work part time. Something like this. They want to have control over their life. And one of the things that psychologists tell us. Is that one of the most important things that people feel, if not the most important, is they want to have um, control over their lives. And when you make mistakes, you lose that control. You become unfreedom. It's kind of my catchword. So, why don't we go get going? And we're going to talk about the five mistakes that Gen Xers can often make. So, Hey, well, what do we talk about here? I, how many times have we heard this? I am too busy now. I can't get started on my wealth planning. All uh, the time. I mean. Well, did you know, Paul, just to start it off, uh, Franklin
2: Templeton in 2018 did a survey of Gen no. Xers in Canada. And no. found that 28% of them have no retirement savings. That's remarkable. Nothing. These are nothing not, at all. Nothing. Wow. It says nothing. These are people in their, again, their peak earning years, their, their 40s, their 50s, and to have absolutely nothing. That's what Franklin Templeton found. And I'm not overly surprised, but it's nice to have that backed up by the data.
1: Yeah. And so, oh, call me after Christmas. Call me next, next year. I'll get ready to start. Well, they have but a lot what?
2: going on, Paul. Like they've got. Absolutely. Like, their, their work, like you said, they're in their perky. Peaking, uh, earning years, you might have. You're at that stage where you, may, you might have aging parents you need to take care of, whether medically or financially, or or both. You have the kids. You have to plan for their education. Their school yep. driving them here and there and everywhere. There's a lot going on.
1: Well, that's it. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, we ask all of our clients when we start the relationship and gone, We ha- we send them a list of here's uh, oh, a couple dozen typical financial issues that are most important to people. And we ask them to check off the three most important ones that virtually every time, one of the key ones is they want to have enough money to retire the way they want Yet again, by making those mistakes when you're a Gen X or not getting going, you can create a problem from that. Now yeah. here's one of the things that I found. I listen to a lot of podcasts will like you do. And there's, there's one coach and motivational speaker called that I would listen to Simon Sinek or Sinek I might be pronouncing that wrong and he's he's been on TED talks written several books has trained Navy Steels and I was listening to one of his TED talks or one of his discussions last week and he was talking about this very thing and he says you know what um people want to say things like I want to start a business I want to start a family I want to start on my financial planning, but it's not the right time right now. I I don't have enough money for whatever reason. But according to Simon, he says, when you say things like that, what you're really saying is, I'll probably never get around to this. And what he says, that's the absolute wrong way to look at it. The right time is now, not after Christmas, not next year. Not till when this happens or that happens, the right time is now. Yeah. So that's the number one think, reason. Gen
2: Well, I think Paul yeah. on that, there's two main reasons Gen Xers maybe get themselves into their into the situation. The first is like you said, just procrastination. And really to get yeah. out of that, you have to be the one to say, I'm not gonna procrastinate anymore. I'm just going to start working on a plan. That's that's on you for the most part. And the other reason I find is lifestyle creep. And this is very Ah, common with Gen Xers. And they just feel like there's no money left over. Their expenses are so high. They don't have any money left over for savings. And again, this is fairly common as Gen Xers are well aware. You're in your peak earning years. So you're probably getting a lot of pay raises uh, year after year but I find their lifestyle creeps up with it. Um, Exactly. They they inflate their lifestyle as their income um, gets inflated. And an easy way you can do to avoid that is just always save a fixed percentage of your income. A good rule of thumb, usually around 20%, but that differs based upon your own circumstances. But as long as you're always saving a fixed percentage of your income, you adjust it has your income changes that's a good way
1: um it, at least to get out of that uh, that problem great idea great idea and again when you're younger some things are a luxury and as you grow older and your income goes up those luxury things become necessity items even though <laughs> they were a luxury item before you know it happens to every generation yeah. just just realize
2: so- too like you know this paul um, a good concept is delayed gratification and just maybe keep in your mind that your lifestyle now, everything you consume right now, it's taking away from your future lifestyle. So if you want to live lavishly while you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, that's a choice you can make, but you're either going to have to work longer delay by delaying retirement or accept a reduced standard of living in, in retirement.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Exactly what you say, Will. I mean, if, if it's tough now when you're a Gen Xer to put aside a few dollars uh, to, for the future, think, imagine when it's time to retirement, if you don't have enough money to live the life you want, you have no options. You yep. are done. The rest of your life, which could be a third or half of your life, is not going to be the way you want it. So So that's the number one reason why Gen Xers mess up their financial lives and create unfreedom, my little word. They procrastinate to getting a plan and implementing moving forward.
2: Now, the next big mistake uh, we want to talk about today that Gen Xers commonly make is they take
1: on too much risk in their investment portfolio. Well, let's, let's look at this. Here's what we often see. Uh, something happens. You get closer to retirement or maybe climb to sell your business and you go, oh, no, I'm behind. I didn't, you know, I should have done this 10 years ago, whatever. I don't have enough. The business I thought that would be worth, uh, you know, $4 million is worth $800,000. What am I going to do? And they say things like, I- I'll get more aggressive with my portfolio. Maybe they take more equities. They take, you know, a more aggressive uh, or get more concentrated but what people don't realize you know there's a saying I think of course our good friend Mr. Buffett and the late great Charlie Munger uh, said things like you know the best way and people won't like this but the best way to get rich quickly is slowly and that to me seems like an oxymoron but anyway well Paul and here's,
2: it's funny yeah. that Mark Cuban said he once asked Warren Buffett yeah um he said to Warren your investment strategy and philosophy it's so simple and it's worked yeah. obviously so well for you uh and it's no secret you tell everyone what you do why why doesn't everyone just copy it and what Warren said the mark apparently was that because no one likes to get rich slowly
1: yeah no they just uh, everyone needs immediate gratification or a lot of people and that creates problems yeah. and i did um just to show this mathematically, uh, I did a number. This was uh, actually a blog I did several years ago, and I, I pulled it up again. Let's assume, for example, you have—I uh, gonna have two examples, both average a seven percent annual return. The first one is in a more con- is in a portfolio that one year goes up ten percent more than seven percent, and the next year goes down. So the first year it will go up uh, seventeen. Uh, I'm sorry, it will go up 17%. The next year, it will go down minus three. So it's averaging seven, but one year it's going to go 10% more and the next year, 10% less. And this just fluctuate for 10 years, 7% return. Now let's compare that to another portfolio that earns the exact same 7% return on average, except there's a 20% deviation. In other words, the first year, it's going to go up, 27%. And the next year it's going to go down 13. So 20%. And this just goes on and on for 10 years. Well, remember we're starting, let's say we assume we start with the same amount of money, a million dollars. The 7% portfolio with a 10% variability after 10 years is one $1.9 million. Okay. The same million dollars after 10 years, the same average rate of return with a 20% variability is only worth 1.6 million. It's worth $300,000 less. Same time, same starting amount, same average rate of return. It's worth less money because of variability. And very simply, if you have a million dollars and you lose half of it, you have a half a million dollars, you lost 50%. But to get back up to the million dollars, you have to earn a 100% return. People don't realize this. Getting rich slowly works. It's easy. It's more comfortable. And by the way, I have more numbers to say that, but we, we don't want to get into that. Yeah. So, again,
2: just practically, what we see with a lot of Gen Xers is trying to hit home runs all the time, whether it's ah, uh, great analogy, great speculating analogy, speculating and over concentrating in real estate or trying to pick different risky stocks or or chasing fads like marijuana stocks a few years ago. Like you said, not necessary. You can get rich by having a high savings rate, investing in a globally diversified portfolio, just letting it sit. The only problem is it's it's boring and it takes it's a bit. Boring. of boring. <laughs> that's it. That, that's good to me. I
1: like boring with money. I know you do. Well, so that's number two reason why Generation Xers mess up their financial lives and create unfreedom for themselves, getting too aggressive with their portfolio without understanding the potential downside. Now, let me ask you this. If you had a, let's go on to the next one of the five mistakes that Gen Xers can make that can create unfreedom for themselves. If you had a 10% chance of dying in a car crash this year, do you think you'd drive really carefully? 10% chance, one in 10. Do you think you'd drive really carefully? What if you had a 10% chance that your business would fail because maybe a key person got, got sick or passed away Or what about a 10% chance that you would die this year, become disabled, have a critical illness? Do you think you'd probably rush out and buy some insurance? I think probably most people would. The interesting thing is I I checked uh, last night the actuarial tables and they tell us that by age 60, the average man has about a 13% chance of being dead and a woman about an 8% chance, roughly about a 10% average chance by age 60 We have about a 10% chance of not being around anymore. Yet how many people refuse to take basic risk management by the proper insurance to protect themselves, their family, their business? And of course, well, we've all heard the excuses, right? I can't afford it. Really, you can't afford it. What if your salary dropped 3%? Would you notice that? No, you wouldn't. But oftentimes you can put together an insurance program for maybe 3% of, of, of your income. Come on. Anyone can afford that. Another thing
2: people often say, Paul, is I'm going to self-insure. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I always kind of laugh a little bit when I hear that because there's no such thing as self-insurance. Insurance is literally uh, sharing the, the risk.
1: With yeah, the insurance absolutely.
2: company and everyone else who buys insurance. So self-insurance just means you're just taking on all of the risk by yourself. There's really no such thing as self-insurance.
1: You're right. That's a great analogy also. And uh, of course, and no one wants life, to buy it. Yeah, go on. Yeah,
2: I mean, all, all life insurance is, is making sure that if something were to happen to you, that your dependents, that would be able to stay in their house, maintain the same lifestyle that they become accustomed to. It can be used to pay off the mortgage if you pass away, help pay for your kid's education, pay for your expenses if you've been the main income earner in the family. And it's pretty, like you said, pretty inexpensive. To me, it's a no
1: brainer. Yeah, I mean, again, no one likes to pay for insurance. Well, I don't, of course, I don't like paying for a lot of things. I don't like buying a new suit, it's expensive. You go to the grocery store today, food is expensive. Boy, what I paid for my house a few years ago, my jaw dropped. I don't want to pay for all those things, but you have to. And you have to protect your family, your business. So that is the number three reason generation Xers mess up their financial lives and create unfreedom for themselves and their family, not protecting their income, not protecting their family, not protecting their business with proper life, critical illness, and disability insurance. Moving on, hey number four in the five things how Generation Xers mistake financial mistakes and mess up their lives. How many times have you probably heard of situations where you know siblings don't talk to each other in a family? Now, if you're a parent, William, you're not a parent yet. I am. If you and your sister could weren't talking, we're fighting. That would really hurt me. That would really hurt me personally.
2: I don't want to but do this, that.
1: No, but this this is the type of thing that can happen if you don't pro- properly prepare your state, your, do a proper will, and discuss it with your family. Sit down with your children in a private environment. Say, here's what I'm doing in my will, and here's why I'm doing it. Now, the reason you want to do that, it's not uncommon. People may have special needs children. Uh, okay, you as a parent, you may say, I'm going to leave more money to the special needs child because that person needs it. So you guys know it ahead of time. You don't want to wait till I'm six feet underground and say, hey, how come I didn't get my, my my full share? Explain it to them ahead of time. Often a good idea to keep the spouses out of that. You know, again, imagine, you know, you spend your entire life working hard, being frugal to build up an estate. And then find a good chunk of it is just wasted because you didn't plan a proper will. You're wasting, you're paying unnecessary taxes. Your estate is paying unnecessary taxes. Your estate is being sold at a fire sale price because you didn't prepare. And all yet, because you didn't bother creating and reviewing your estate plan. As it pertains to
2: Gen Gen Xers, there's a connotation, I think, a belief among some that estate planning is just for the the elderly and the very rich
1: yeah i think and you're right
2: that's not true everyone needs a will a power of attorney it's crazy uh how many gen Xers i come across who don't have that basic estate planning done it's because estate planning is making sure that if something happens to you um there's a plan in terms of who's going to make medical financial decisions for you something as simple as what happens to your pets uh what happens to your assets it's true Paul and if if you you're right
1: you're right (laughs) if
2: if you don't outline that in a a will and a power of attorney the government decides it for you and that's that's the last thing you want so again estate planning not just for the elderly not just for the rich for everyone make sure you get your will and power of attorney
1: uh, done If you don't, good chance you're going to leave an administrative mess for your family, going to create family feuds, waste money in taxes and legal costs. And it's all unnecessary. Okay, so that's number four of the how Gen Xers mess up their financial lives and create unfreedoms for themselves and their family, not planning up their state, not I'm sorry, not planning their estate. Not having up to date wills and powers of attorneys, and discussing it ahead of time with their family. Going on to number five, the last one. Hey, have you ever noticed that the most talented athletes have coaches? Whether you're uh, whether you're Gretzky, uh, Michael Jordan, they all have. Why do they need coaches? They're the most talented, smart people doing what they do on Earth. They all need coaches. Why? Well, by the way, the top talented entrepreneurs and executive has, you know, Richard Branson, who owns Virgin, he controls 400 companies. He has a coach. Bill Gates has a coach. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, Steve Jobs, Oprah. They all have coaches. Barack Obama. The reason these people have coaches is because the coaches see things the athletes or executives can't. Because we all have our biases. We all have our blind spots, each and every one of us. And they create the best out of these fantastically talented people. So let's look at people in our business, uh, Will. Uh, how many times have we run across pe- uh, people who, you know, you know, I took business in school. I watched the markets. I watched BNN or, or Kramer or whoever all the time. I have fun doing it. I can do it myself. I could do my wealth planning. Yeah, just
2: people look at the the fees they would pay, but they don't take into account any uh, value that would come out of those fees. Like again, like you kind of said earlier, you pay for things all the time and that's fine, but you got to get value for them in return. So if you're looking at the fees, look at the value you're going to get in return. And and for example, like one thing a really good financial planner can help with and and by the way, not like we've said before, not all planners are good. Not all of them do provide value,
1: like, like any in, business, like absolutely. In any
2: profession, like a lawyer, yeah, doctor, sure. it applies applies across the board. But one thing a good planner can provide value in is in your investment uh, behavior. We've talked about investor biases before reducing the impact of them for example over the last 20 years the market paul has returned an average of eight point two five percent per year but the average investor has earned just over four percent just because of bad investment investor behavior so that's just one of the things a good planner can help provide value in for example in march of 2020 uh during the uh the heart of the pandemic when the world's going crazy help you stay in your seat stay invested so that you eventually participate in the rebound that followed that
1: yeah and again getting great advice is not just your portfolio it's seeing the things you don't see helping you avoid like you say biased and impulsive decisions staying on top of new ideas and having accountability this is key Tell me, when you were back in school, if the teacher never checked your homework, do you think you'd do it all the time on time? (laughs) I don't know about that. What about if you didn't have deadlines at work? If you didn't say, I got this has to be done on Friday. If your boss or or whatever says, oh, just do it whenever. It's not going to get done. The accountability is absolutely key. And by the way, here's some just statistics. Talk about fees. On average, this is a a research done by Serrano. It's a Serrano report, econometric models on the value of advice. Anyway, according to this, after four to six years of getting advice, the average person who gets advice has about 50% more wealth than someone who doesn't. After seven to 14 years, they have two times, twice the wealth. After 15 years, they have almost three times the amount of wealth that someone who doesn't. You're paying the same reason why Gretzky had a coach. That Richard Branson and Bill Gates have a coach because it brings out the best in you.
2: And taking all that out of the picture, ignoring all that potential value, um, there's also value to me, Paul. We've spent a lot of time today talking about how busy Gen Xers are with their family and their work and so forth. So there's also value to me, anyways, and just outsourcing part of your life you probably you might not like doing this um you might not have the time to do it properly there's all sorts of things both you and i for example in our lives we we could technically do instead of paying someone but we're both busy so there's value in us just outsourcing it and having someone else take care of it for us as simple yeah
1: i've never heard of anyone saying on their deathbed i wish i spent more time on my portfolio i don't think that's ever happened and by the way, this is uh, often, I found in my career, maybe 5 to 10% of the people can do this successfully on their own. You need to have a huge amount of acumen, free time, diligence, and so forth. And what comes into play, just quickly here, because we're, we're getting to the end of our time, something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, fascinating uh, theory where these two fellows, they came up with this, this idea, and, and there's a lot of truth to it, saying, look, when you first start at something, when you get a little bit of information, you often think you know a lot more than you do because you don't know what you don't know. And that's the, and that's what we find that people often do with who want to do their own wealth planning and portfolio planning. They often don't know what they don't know and they think they know a lot more than they do. So that's number five. To wrap it up today. Absolutely. That's number five. The reasons why Gen Xers mess up their financial lives and create un freedom for themselves, thinking they can successfully manage their own financial plans without a coach, without help. So just quickly, quick summary, the five reasons that uh, Gen Xers can mess up their financial lives. The first thing, they procrastinate. They don't get going with a financial plan. Second thing, they get too aggressive with their portfolio, trying to catch up for not doing things uh, when they should have been done. Number three, Not protecting themselves, their family, their business with proper life, critical illness, and disability coverage. Number four, uh, not having up-to-date wills and power of attorneys and discussing with their family. And number five, not getting help. I mean, come on. We all need help in life. So that's wrapping up for today. Next podcast in two weeks. Hey, 2023 was quite a year. The experts last year said it was going to be a rotten year. Most of them were wrong. Markets had a great first seven months, lost half their value, now earned it back. It was an interesting year. Our next podcast, we're going to talk about what we learned from 2023 and how it can help us to make better choices in the future.
2: All right. Thanks, Paul. And thanks, everyone, uh, for listening. Please like share and subscribe to the show and help us out if you could pass this along to someone who would enjoy it as well we'd really appreciate that you can follow paul and i on our social platforms we're both on linkedin you can find me on x uh you can find the the link to those in the show notes below so again thanks paul thanks everyone for listening and we'll
1: we'll see you in a couple weeks see you next time
0: This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.